I'm encouraged by how we fought and how we competed and how we kept playing through a, you know, through a first half that, you know, had the feeling of here we go uh, at times. But the bottom line is you got to you got to end up with one more point than your opponent. And we didn't. That kind of says it all. Head coach Dirk Cutter, Bucks third straight loss on the season after starting the year 2-0. I am Mike Neighbors. Welcome to our podcast, A Few Extra Bucks, here on PeterPirates.com. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of Northdale Mabry and Van Dyke. And, of course, our co-title sponsors, Sea Dog Brewing Company. Two great locations in Clearwater and Treasure Island on the beach. Great brews, great food, great service. I was there the other night. Uh, they never disappoint. Uh, all three, all the above, they give it to you. Well, let's bring in uh, our crew here, our producer, Justin Thomas and Roy Cummings. And, uh, man, you almost had a Stanford miracle there at the end, Roy. Yeah, pretty <laughs> close to it. Um, that was a that was a fun little ending uh, to a, a not really, you know, at the end of the day, a pretty good football game, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, it almost worked. Uh, look, there aren't too many plays you can try to run with uh, seven seconds left on the clock. I suppose the other option would have been thrown in the end zone, hope for a uh, – pass interference penalty and maybe one more out or well you hope that the guy catches it but um no I, I thought that was a a gutsy play call I thought it was a good play call and I thought they executed it to near perfection boy who, who would have thought that uh, on a play where you just need good hands uh Deshaun Jackson would have been the one uh, not to have him but uh such is life well if you don't trust our Bucks insider Roy Cummings you should because uh Justin and I should at least we predicted the Bucks uh, would beat the Steelers on Monday night and Roy said that the Steelers would win. We both predicted the Bucks would go on the road and win. And Roy, I think he's the voice of reason now, Justin. He picked the Falcons. <laughs> he can have the title. He can have the title? Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of that, Roy, you kind of touched on it. Here's what Dirk Cutter said about the last play and the, uh, the play call. It's hard to score on one play from the 20, so um... – you know, James, James had options, but when you're going when you're going full speed, one play to win the game from the 20, um, it's just it's tough. You know, it's just he's got people chasing him from closing in on him from all sides. But uh, yeah, there's not a lot of great plays on one play from the 20. And here's what Jameis Winston had to say about that final play call. That was a great play call. Uh, we had plenty of options. Uh, it's it's tough to call a play from the 20 yard line. I think we had seven seconds. Actually, so uh, we tried to make a play. Uh, the purpose of that is just do not, do not get tackled with the ball in your hand. Roy, you touched on it. Uh, not many options with that much time left, and given their field position either. Yeah, I, I like the execution. I really do. I mean, Jameis Winston got a big chunk of yards. He he throws it behind him, uh, and Humphreys can't handle it. Uh, Mike Evans picks it up, and and a great basketball move. Uh, you can almost kind of yeah. sit there uh, getting ready to drive the key and, uh, you know, right about the – as he gets, you know, inside the, the paint there, he, he turns and shovels it back outside for a three-pointer maybe. And, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Deshaun Jackson couldn't couldn't handle the pass. So, uh, it bounced a little. But, hey, again, in the, like Dirk said, in, in real time, uh, going live, it's, it's tough to do. But I thought they did a pretty good job of it. They made it fun, made it exciting. Um, just couldn't quite execute at the end with the way they needed to. It's, uh, it's unfortunate that it comes down to that, but uh, it did as a result of a lot of other issues. I don't know how you felt, but I felt like if Humphreys would have had control, he would have been tackled. 
But I think Deshaun would have gotten in there. It would have been close, but I think he would have gotten in there. How do you feel? Well, I, I, I don't disagree. I think you're right that, that it probably would have definitely ended had Adam Humphreys picked the, actually picked the ball up. I don't think he was close enough, and he was too actually he was too far into the middle of the field. What would have happened with Deshaun Jackson is he had five defenders um, chasing him just as he catches the ball, if he catches it. It's a race to the, you know, it's a three-yard race to the end zone. And he's, if he catches it and, imme- and just keeps going, um, he's, he might make it. I, I got the feeling he would have made it if he could have ca- caught it and kept going. But if he catches it and has to set himself, he probably never would have got there. It might have been another, uh, you know, uh, lateral backwards somewhere. But, uh, no, I, again, I, I think, you know, good, good for Dirk Cutter trying that, 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 that play. Or maybe it was Todd Munkin who called it. Whoever called it, I, I, I agree with it 100%. My guess is that whoever called that, Dirk had to sign off on it. And, uh, again, they, I thought they executed it uh, to near perfection. You know, it's so easy to second-guess a play call like that. But the quarterback draw, to me, with all the Buccaneer weapons they have, it creates so many options. And you saw Deshaun Jackson. It's almost as if – you, know, you see it all the time with receivers dropping passes, just thinking about all the room they have in front of him. Well, I think he was thinking about the urgency he had in front of him. He had to time that perfectly and keep going. So he was obviously frustrated afterwards. But let, let's run down the, the, the end of that game. I mean, you have under three minutes left. And Dan Quinn, I salute you, my friend, because I'm yelling at you uh, from my living room. What are you thinking? You're sending Matt Bryan out there for a 57-yard field goal when you could just pin the Bucks back and and take your chances. But, boy, he had a lot of faith in his kicker. And here's what Dirk Cutter said about that call afterwards. That was an unbelievable call by Coach Quinn or, or whoever made it. Now, you know, Matt, Bryan, Matt Bryan's money. I've seen him make that kick. But where we're going to get that ball needing a field goal, uh, I told him after the game. I told I told uh, Coach Quinn that was a that was a hell of a call by him. I think personally he's crazy, Roy. What do you think? Well, I I, I can see all sides in this one. Um, it's I tell you what, it's it's one of those calls that uh, the coaches get paid all the millions of dollars they get paid to make. Um, it's gutsy to try it, but you know what? Look, I, I have a lot of faith in Matt Bryant. You know, uh, remembering him when he was with the, with the Buccaneers and was as good a kicker as the Bucks ever had, and uh, you know I still wonder really at the end of the day why it was Mark Dominic let him go all those years ago I guess he he didn't want to pay him he thought he could do just as well with a few other guys that hadn't, hadn't quite worked out that way uh it's really been you know except for Connor Barth it's been a mess ever since at that position but uh, and Connor Barth gave him you know several good years but look uh, Matt Bryant he may be headed to the Hall of Fame and it's because of uh his clutch ability and and he, you know, I don't think 57 yards, 58 yards is too much for him in the clutch. I really don't. So I see why he would do it. But I can also see why you would punt there. Um, you know, you, what the last thing you want is the Buccaneers to have a short field. So you you absolutely have to believe you. But you know what? At the end of the day, that's what kickers are supposed to do. They're supposed to go out and make 58-yard field goals, you know, uh, in the clutch. And they're supposed to make extra points. And for whatever reason, uh, Bucks can't seem to find one who can do that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I hate to pin it on the extra point, but it really changed the tempo of the game because how many times throughout that game, whether it's the fact they went for two or even at the end of the game where they could have gone into overtime or the fact that Quinn decided to have Matt Bryan out there, I mean, almost every move was a domino effect from that missed extra point. Didn't you feel that way watching the game? Absolutely, yeah. And and in, in my breakdown of the game, which is available on pewterpirates.com, be sure to check it out. 
uh, if you're listening. Um, and if you're not listening, you check it out anyway. Um, but uh, why aren't you? <laughs> I, I mean, I point that out because you're right. Once you miss that extra point, now you've got to try a two point conversion, which also fails. Now, later on to the game, fast forward to the end of the fourth quarter, the game could have been tied at that point. Um, and at that point, even if the, if the Bucks defense holds and it ends just as it does on the last possession for the Falcons with a field goal, well, then all the Bucks have to do is kick a field goal. And all of a sudden, at the 20-yard line, it's a completely different game plan. Yeah. You're kicking the field goal and going overtime and saying, okay, let's see what happens there. But you're in, you know, you've got a chance to at least tie it or maybe win it. And, and it's a completely different set of play calls, my guess is, for the Bucks offensively if they make that extra point. Sometimes it doesn't seem like a big deal, an extra point, but boy, oh boy, in this case, it just kept mounting and mounting and mounting into trouble that they just couldn't get themselves out of. Here's what Dirk Cutter said about the effect of that missed extra point in this Buccaneer loss up in Atlanta. It hurts to miss an extra point right off the bat. You know, you get a fast start, and it's it's a little bit deflating to miss an extra point. I mean, Chandler feels worse than anybody else. I mean, it's not like no one's fired up about it, but, what, you know, we, we got guys making mistakes, and, uh, I mean, different guys make different mistakes on different plays, and that's that was his. So, uh, you know, you're chasing points the rest of the game, but would it have mattered at the end? That's hard to say. Dirk doesn't want to hang his kicker at the end, but obviously that had a huge impact and uh, changed the tempo of this game. Uh, let's talk about the, the tale of two halves, Roy. You know, it's amazing. You got to give the defense credit and you got to give Mike Smith credit. You know, that guy's been the whipping boy for Buccaneer fans uh, for what's seemingly been forever because of the Chicago loss and the bye week and all of that. But I like the adjustments he made in the second half. And I love the way the defense played in the second half. But boy, they just can't afford to keep playing like that for, for one half at least. No, they can't. And I, I, I hope that Mike Smith learned something from this game in, as it pertains to this football team, this year's Buccaneers defense. Um, he's a very smart defensive coordinator. Uh, you got to ha- you have to give him that. The, the scheme is is not quite working right now the way it's designed to work. Um, a lot of that is, I think, a result of and we've gone through this: the injuries in the secondary, which is forcing the Buccaneers to play horribly inexperienced players in the secondary. Uh, and the experienced players they've got, see Brent Grimes, um, are not playing at the level that they're expected to play. Let's face it: some, either something's wrong with Brent Grimes or he's hit the wall. And I've seen veterans hit a wall, and this is sort of what it looks like. You just don't have the same level of execution that you normal that you normally do. But here's what happened. It, I, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think the Buccaneers ran about a dozen blitzes in the first half. And I think all but about two of them really worked out well for them in terms of what it was they were designed to do, which is force a throwaway, uh, force a bad pass, uh, put the quarterback under pressure so that he doesn't complete a pass. The ones that did work worked only because he, he there were breakdowns again in coverage in the secondary, and there were breakdowns everywhere. It was incredible how many breakdowns there were, and I will continue to say, and I'm not defending Mike Smith. I'm just saying that to me the bigger problem with the defense is execution. And what they did in the second half is they came out they, they went with the blitzes right from the start. They knew it was working for them, and they executed their assignments much better for the first three series. You go back and look at the first half, five possessions for the uh, Falcons, three touchdowns, one three and out, and a field goal. 
That's the first half. Second half starts off with three straight punts. All the all the Falcons get is 30 yards, and it's all a result of being a lot more aggressive and, in essence, uh, a lot more in tune with your assignments defensively. And I think the difference there, Mike and Justin, I, I think the thing there is I think by playing aggressively, uh, you know, you're not thinking as much. Instead of – I think you're just thinking, let's go play football. And I think really that's what's got to happen with this defense is they just have to get aggressive and go play football and stop thinking about where am I supposed to be on this play? Where am I supposed to be on that play? Um, I, I think that's part of what's going on with this defense right now. I think there's just too much thinking going on because it is complex. And I think when they play aggressive, they kind of just get after it and know that, look, I'm, I'm man-to-man. That's my guy. I got to follow him wherever he goes. And if, and if, and if he beats me – it's on me because it's not on the scheme because we ran the right play. You know, so many things we, we looked at going into the season. You touched on Brent Grimes, and you thought the defense could count on him, and, and obviously that's been a huge disappointment, even though he had a nice play against Julio Jones, albeit Matt Ryan uh, didn't have the best throw on that play. It's amazing to me that Julio Jones hadn't scored a touchdown this year. Unbelievable. The, the amount of yards he compiles, it, it, that's incredible. But, but talk, you know, let's look at this defense. Jason Pierre-Paul – has lived up to the hype, every bit of it. He's been great. But I think at times, Roy, you know, even, you know, Quan Alexander led this team in tackles, but even guys you thought you could count on, and I'm, you know, the secondary is obviously the biggest problem on this defense. It was good that Bo Allen returned to the D-line, but it seems like as a whole, even guys you thought you could count on from Grimes to maybe even the linebackers, they're not playing the same way we've seen in recent years. No, they're not, and I'm not surprised. And the reason I say that, again, is it is a complicated defense. Even defensive ends have rules, and that's what they refer, refer to them as. Uh, some people call them keys, but most of them refer to them as rules. And the rules stay, say that, you know, on this particular call, you drop back five yards and play, you know, zone uh, defense, or, or you rush the passer, right? you know, and you've got to take this technique and everything else. And yeah, there, there's a lot that goes on there. And for a newcomer, even if they're a veteran like Vinnie Curry or Jason Pierre-Paul, there's a lot going on there. It's much easier for Jason Pierre-Paul, whose job 90% of the time is just go straight forward and go get the quarterback. That's easy. It's a little bit harder on Bo Allen. It's a little bit harder on Vinnie Curry. So I'm not surprised that they're getting what they expected out of uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. And by the way, I, I, I approached that and he, he did something today that no other uh, the no bucks defensive uh, lineman has done actually no bucks defender has done uh, in a long long time uh, you'll have to read the um, pewterpirates.com uh, my breakdown on pewterpirates.com to find out what that is it's a little teaser but um, he, he did something today no defensive end or actually no defender in the bucks uh, in a bucks uniform has done in a long long time and uh, you know he's doing his part and I think some other guys are but just consistently throughout the group, not everybody is doing their part enough, and that's got to change. Yeah. Let's go back to the offensive side. Jameis Winston's first start, and so many great things. So many great things. Hit nine different targets, threw for 395 yards, very efficient, 30 of 41. But the turnovers, I'm sorry. The elite quarterbacks in this league, they don't make a lot of these throws that Jameis is doing. And, and in games like this in the NFL, and you know this, Roy and Justin, most of these games come down to one, yeah, to one, two, three plays. And and Jameis Winston admitted this afterwards. Uh, in terms of turnovers, he can't make these costly mistakes anymore. Just can't do it. I was late to it. You can't turn the ball over at the six-yard line. Uh, and I think that's that's really going to be the story of the game. You can't turn the ball over. 
twice uh, today. Our defense played excellent in the second half. Excellent. Uh, we just got to – I got to protect the football. It, it, that is the story of the game. Yeah, Chandler Catanzaro misses an extra point. The defense was was horrible in the first half. But, but the bottom line is Jameis Winston, for all the good he does, Dirk Cutter touched on it, you still have the bet. Jameis – you know, he does so many good things out there. You know, he does so many good things. And uh, he has composure. He can make all the throws. He runs the team. Uh, he scrambles. He's tough. Uh, you know, but there's a couple balls you'd like to have back. And, uh, you know, that that's that's every quarterback in the league. That's, you know, that's, that's playing quarterback in the NFL. So I think Jameis played well for a, a, a huge percentage of the game. I don't, I'm, you know, the quarterback gets a lot of the credit and a lot of the blame. I'm going to give him credit, but I'm going to give him some blame, Roy. Jameis just can't make some of those throws. You're right. Um, I would say scheme is part of it today. Uh, the first interception, in my opinion, is more scheme related. You're throwing the ball downfield. Uh, that's going to happen when you do that. Um, the one I didn't like is the one uh, that was truly inside the red zone from the six-yard line that he alluded yeah. to. He tries to hit uh, – um, Chris Godwin there, and he's got to throw that ball a little bit higher, uh, simply because so that so that Chris Godwin is the only one who can catch that ball, and if he doesn't catch it, nobody does. Um, that's how that ball's that ball's got to be thrown. At the same time, he had a wide open Adam Humphreys uh, out in the flat there, about uh, six yards from the uh, fr- from the end zone, so that could have worked out too. He had time on that play. Uh, Would have liked to have seen him, you know, try, you know throw to Humphreys, obviously, because he was wide open, uh, you know, maybe to have a, a little bit better look at it. But look, guys, at the end of the day, that's what you get when you have a gunslinger. Think of Brett Favre. This is what you have. And I'm not comparing James Winston to Brett Favre, saying that they're, the, you know, the same kind of quarterback. Well, I mean, they are the same kind of quarterback. I'm not saying that James Winston is as good as Brett Favre. What I'm saying is they were both gunslingers. And gunslingers will try to thread needles like Jameis did today. And sometimes, you know, when you're trying to do that, uh, you, you just make a mistake. You don't necessarily look around for your best option. And that's something Jameis has got to learn. But still, like Dirk said, you're going to have to take the bad with the good with Jameis Winston because at the end of the day, look at the numbers, guys. At the end of the day, 395 yards and, you know, he's, he's got 115 passer rating. There's not much to dislike. Four touchdowns. Um, th- this was a, a hell of an effort by Jameis Winston. 30 of 41, 395 yards, four touchdowns, 115.4 passer rating. That's exceptional. Two, t- two interceptions. You know what? The Buccaneers on most days should win with that quarterback effort. No, you don't like the two picks, but four touchdowns versus two picks, 115.4 passer rating, 395 yards. You got to like that. You got to like you win with that kind of quarterback play 99% of the time. This is what I liked about Jameis Winston. All the things that you said and, and the stats that we've talked about, this is the play I liked about Jameis Winston today. It really showed me he's grown up. When he was hit on the sideline, you kind of debate whether that was a late hit or not. And, and I applaud Ryan Jensen for sticking up for his quarterback, whether that was a late hit or not. That sends a good message to the team, the offensive line, everything. You know, I, you know, I, I applaud him for that. But in the past, I think Jameis Winston would have been emotional. He would have gotten the guy's face. He wouldn't have tried to separate Ryan Jensen. I thought that was a real teaching point to me that Jameis Winston has learned a little bit in terms of controlling his emotions a little bit. Did you feel that way watching that play? Couldn't agree more. To me, it's another example of 
just another example of how Jameis Winston has grown and continues to grow as a pro, as a player, uh, as a quarterback. Uh, I, I Look, I still think Jameis Winston is making great strides for the amount of time he's got in the NFL. He's learning from his mistakes. That's what I'm seeing. And again, at the end of the day, he was one of the best players on the field for either team. He's the reason the Buccaneers had a chance to win this game at the end. And he's, a, he's the reason the Bucs, you know, had a chance to win it on the absolute last play. He's one of the few reasons that they were actually in the game at the end after being down as badly as they were at halftime. So uh, I got no qualms at all with uh, the way Jameis Winston played today. No, I don't like the two interceptions. Uh, one of them is definitely on him. I don't know if the other one is necessarily. Um, didn't have the best throw on, on the first one, but uh, uh, you know, could have had a better throw on the second one as well. But at the end of the day, He'll learn from that, is my guess, because I'm seeing him learn from other mistakes uh, consistently as we go on. This is your bonus edition of A Few Extra Bucks. Of course, we give you two podcasts during the week, but we also give you post-game coverage of every Buccaneer game as well. And, and coming up, we're going to have a new segment in our post-game coverage called Game Balls and Game Falls. We're each going to give a game ball and a game fall to, in our opinion, the hero and, and maybe uh, the goat of the game, in our opinion. I want to ask you about this this hypothetical because usually we have a three and out in our weekly podcast, Roy and Justin. But one of you, each one of you, I want you to answer this. If Jameis Winston wasn't suspended, okay, had the great preseason, went into the season, would have been the starting quarterback, you wouldn't have seen the Fitz magic in the first two games. Would this team be two and three right now? Or would they be worse or would they be better? What do you think their record would be for the Bucs? It's hard for me to say it would be much better because it's hard for me to say that Jameis Winston could have played any better than Ryan Fitzpatrick in the first two and a half games. Yeah. Um, you know, what we saw out of Jameis Winston today is what we're going to continue to see out of Jameis Winston. You're going to see him make great plays and throw for a lot of yards and, and throw touchdown passes, but you're also going to see him throw picks that hurt your team and basically, uh, uh, you know, hurt you, at the, hurt you in the end. So I have a hard time believing that they would be much better off um, there's probably a better oper- better chance that they're worse off. Um, but then again, he, again, he has made strides. And it's, I, I think people, before they get too worried, worked up about how Jameis Winston played today, keep in mind, this was his first start of 2018. Before this, he had, you know, a half's worth of snaps against uh, a Chicago team that uh, basically had the game locked up. So uh, I, I thought for his, for his first start, I thought he played really well. Um, could they be better off without, you know, had Jameis Winston been the starter all along? It's hard to, for me to say they would. What say you, Justin? Well, with the exception of the Bears game, I don't think the offense has really been a problem for the Bucks. It's been in the defense. So, you know, whether Winston would have played at the same level that Fitzpatrick was the first couple of games, I still think obviously the defense, now today they, they played much better in the second half, but the defense is what, lost them you know the games this year so I, I still think their record probably would have been the same my, my question is and I agree with you guys on the offense but I don't think Jameis Winston could have played the way Ryan Fitzpatrick did in the first two games it's still crazy to me that Ryan Fitzpatrick plays as bad as he did uh, against the Chicago Bears it's just been a weird season for the Bucks, guys it's just strange to me you know I don't know if they'd be two and three you know, maybe they would be one and four with Jameis Winston. Maybe they would have lost that game in New Orleans. Uh, I still think they maybe would, would have won the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm still trying to figure out this team because 
I see both sides of it. I see Jameis Winston being better moving forward. I agree, Roy. This is his first start. Did a lot of positive things. I think he'll learn from this. I think he's more mature. I think he'll make better decisions. But I don't know how good this team is. I mean, they're so up and down. I mean, the defense is is horrible <laughs> against Chicago. They're horrible in the first half. Then they kind of bounce back. But, boy, if Gerald McCoy is out and they didn't really comment on his injury afterwards, you have Brent Grimes, you have the up-and-down play of, of linebackers you used to count on. I don't know what to make of this team moving forward, Roy. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I don't either. Um, you know, I saw some good signs in the second half today from the defense. To me, it shows that it's capable of doing much, much better. Um, you know, can they put a game like that, you know, like those three, four series they had today in the second half, can they put a full game of that together on defense? Well, you have to believe they can. Um, this, and let's not forget, that's a pretty good offense they were going up against today, too. So um, I got to believe they can. I think the offense is, you know, is dynamic no matter who's a quarterback. I like what we saw out of Peyton Barber today. I think the Bucks still haven't hit their stride as a team. I still think there's better to come. And I think we'll see it. I really do. Um, but how much better? And is it enough? to get them into the playoffs. I still think it's about an eight and eight kind of team, give or take one or two victories. And, you know, that's why games are so close. Like today, when you get down there and you get a chance to win it, man, you got to win it. And why every little play, when you're the Buccaneers or a team like the Bucks, you cannot afford to miss field goals. You cannot afford to miss tackles because, or miss assignments or blow a coverage. You just can't afford it because you are so vulnerable to the smallest mistake. You're not good enough to overcome those mistakes, no matter what side of the ball they're on. And that's what we saw today. They're, they're good enough to play with anybody, I think, the Buccaneers, but they're not good enough to, yet still to overcome even the most what seems like a minuscule mistake. Yeah, the margin for error is very thin for this football team. It's thin in the NFL anyway, but uh, with this team having so many holes – it's razor thin as well. All right, our last segment, uh, we have the great soundtrack for three and out, but uh, I kind of threw this on you guys late, so we'll have to develop a new soundtrack for game balls and game falls. But uh, we're each going to give a game ball, and it's okay if we give the same one because you know what's great about this podcast? We don't have a pre-show meeting. We just kind of let it flow, and we like the spontaneity of the podcast. So I'm going to have Roy go first. Roy, if you're a dirt cutter and you hand out a game ball afterwards, who do you give it to? I'm going to give mine to um, – I'm not going to go with the obvious here. I'm going to go with the not-so-obvious, and I'm going to give it to Peyton Barber. I thought he had his best game of the season. Um, he had more than 100 yards of total offense, including a touchdown reception uh, in the passing game. thought he ran very hard, uh, picked up a couple of good blitzes, gave his quarterback a chance to get the ball out on, on occasion. Uh, I'm giving a, a game ball to Peyton Barber. Uh, it, it reaffirms to me that uh, – he can be the Bucks' feature back and that they can get uh, what they're looking for out of him um, going forward. So uh, I give a nice uh, pat on the back and a game ball to uh, Peyton Barber on, on the offensive side. Justin Thomas, I like the choice, Roy. Justin Thomas, who's your game ball good to? Well, here I am thinking I'm going to be clever and go a little bit different than Roy steals my thunder. Oh. So uh, <laughs> I was going to give it to Peyton Barber, but uh, since he took Peyton, I will give it to Jameis. I I thought Jameis, like Elsa, oh. played well. I, there still seems to be some chemistry issues between him and some of his receivers. There's a lot of missed throws and overthrows, but the fact that the Bucks were still in the game, I think, was largely due to Jameis. So uh, I would give it to him. 
Okay, I was going to go Peyton Barber. And, you know, Roy Cummings and I disagree on everything from Billy Joel and John <laughs> to Michael McDonald and Bob Seger. And I love the Beatles, by the way. We agree on that. But, uh, you know, I'm, since I'm going to, you know, I said in the beginning we could give it to the same guy. I'm actually going to disagree. Here, here's one for you guys. How about this? How about O.J. Howard? How about a guy that was supposed to be out for maybe three weeks? Oh, that's good. O.J. Yeah. Howard, four targets, four receptions, and a touchdown. And, you know, basically – you know, plays hurt. I saw in one play, you know, he made a play and you could tell he was hurting out there today. And I agree with Jameis. I mean, Jameis, to me, the good thing, we mentioned the play earlier, Roy, about his composure. I also like the fact that he's used to spreading the wealth a little more, found nine different guys and found four different guys for touchdowns. That's good. But I'm going to give it to O.J. Howard just for gutting it up. Um, kind of hurting my fantasy team because I thought I was a genius picking up Cam Bray because he'd be out for a couple weeks and Cam Bray would get all the touches. But that's okay, OJ. Well, but you know what? I get- hey, Cam Bray gave you a touchdown today too. And, you know, let's not forget that uh, uh, th- this is a – it's a great group of tight ends. And, in fact, I, I uh, mentioned that in my um, breakdown of the game today, available on pewterpirates.com. Yet another uh, tease to that, which if you check it out, you'll find out what I'm talking about, uh, about how good – these Buccaneers tight ends are, uh, we, we saw it today, and not just with the touchdown passes to Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard. We saw it in another way early on that uh, really benefited the Bucks' offense, and uh, you'll have to go and read my uh, breakdown of the game on pewterpirates.com in order to see that. Roy's rapid reaction. We like to call it, was it R-cubed, I guess we could yeah, call it? Yeah, Roy's yeah, rapid reaction. RQ, baby. Yeah. Even O'Claire had a catch today. So Jameis was finding everybody, all, all the tight ends. Um, okay, here's here's conversely, guys. Uh, time for game falls. We've given game balls. Game fall to somebody you, you were kind of disappointed in. I hate to say goat a lot of the time. I don't like the words goat and choke in sports. I think that's a little harsh sometimes. But we'll go game. Who's your game fall today, Ryan? All right, I'm going to try to make it, try to help you guys out. Okay, because I think I know who <laughs> one of yours is. I mean, it's an obvious one to me. I'm going to go with Ryan Smith, cornerback, ah. who started yeah. today opposite Brent Grimes and was horrible. Again, um, yeah. in the first half alone, Matt Ryan was five for six for God knows how many yards. And, and again, I go into detail on this a little bit in my uh, breakdown of the game today, available on pewterpirates.com. Make sure you check it out. Uh, five for six for God knows how many yards and a touchdown in the first half alone. And one of these, and, and again, this is, there was an example today in this game of why Mike Smith is getting beat up for things. He's not capable. He's not, which aren't his problem. There was a, a short pass in the red zone to Austin Hooper tight end for the Falcons today. And Mike Smith, Ryan Smith rather was face to face with Austin Hooper at about the, the nine yard line. <laughs> He was one yard away from him. All he had to do was make a tackle against a tight end. This is a cornerback, nimble, quick, speedy, against a tight end, not as nimble, quick, or speedy. And he blew, he whiffed on the tackle, and it turned out to be a touchdown. I'm going to go with Ryan Smith because he his lack of execution really hurt the Buccaneers in the first half, which is where, and the Bucs never caught up, by the way. So that's where, that's who I'm giving it to. Ryan Smith, this one's on you. I like it. Nobody in the NFL would be envious of the way Ryan Smith. You got that right. And let me tell you, some people are, some people be envious of Ryan Smith because he's in the NFL, but I'm not so sure that those people who are be envious of him would be worse than him. 
<laughs> Let's get that across. All right, Justin Thomas, uh, how do you follow that up? Well, mine's is a little bit different. The person I'm going to pick played pretty well throughout the game, but uh, at the very end of the game, last drive going down the field, obviously the Bucks needed the touchdown to win. And uh, my person made a play that I just was screaming, why are you doing that? And it was when Mike Evans caught the catch on the sideline. And yep. Instead of going out of bounds to stop the clock, he stayed in bounds. I think that took off at least 20 seconds on the clock. And that's time that you need at the end when you're down deep and you need a couple more throws in the end zone. That's something they didn't have. And that could have been the difference probably in the game if he would have gone out of bounds. Especially if Quinn doesn't have the uh, uh, surprise move to have Matt Bryant kick that field goal. Can you imagine if you know they make that drive, he goes out of bounds, and they had plenty of time to force this thing, you know, to overtime? I guess right. If they kick a field goal, wouldn't it have gone to overtime? If they, well, yes. yeah. Well, they, yeah. yeah. Well, if 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 Bryant would have not made the field goal, yeah. Yeah. If they, if they would have just punted the, the the Bucks back, they make a drive, which I I think makes that Quinn call even more impressive because I'm confident the way Winston was moving that offense in the last drive, they would have gotten at least a field yeah. goal there. So, all right, guys, I'm going to throw this one out there. And, and you know, I, I could throw Catanzaro under the bus, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, it's just it's one to. extra point. <laughs> I, I could have, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I don't know if you agree with me on this, all right? I'm going to give it to Gerald McCoy, you know, I, for, for a few reasons here. I know he got hurt, but he didn't have a tackle in this game, guys. And, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, Bo Allen was healthy this game. Vita Bay is getting more comfortable. Gerald McCoy has help now. He has help. And before that play, I didn't see him doing a whole lot in this game. And beyond that, as a media member, I'm going to say this too. I don't like the way Gerald McCoy is handling himself in the locker room this season. Uh, The media's tried to talk to him. He's waved him off. He's he's, he's been, uh, I think, oversensitive a little bit. That's one issue, but... I don't know how you feel, Roy. I know he was hurt in this game, but Gerald McCoy didn't do a lot in this well, game. Well, he did actually ha- – well, okay, officially he did not get a tackle, but he actually had a tackle for loss. He got into the backfield and stopped um, one of the runners. I can't remember the, the runner, actually, but he, he made a stop behind the line of scrimmage, and the runner never recovered and fell down, and I guess they didn't give anybody a tackle there. He also had a quarterback hit today. And I'll say this. No, he didn't have a lot of numbers, but you, you know what? You just – you can't – judge defensive tackles by numbers and what i saw so i guess i'm disagreeing with you mike but what i saw you should go with canton's <laughs> um what i saw was i saw a, a different defense after mccoy left the game today um and 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 i think it, was, it wasn't as good they were rolling there at the beginning they had those good those three good solid uh series to start the second half then mccoy got hurt uh and they gave up uh 10 points after that so I, I, I'm not going to blame Gerald McCoy much. In fact, I think if you really break down the tape, I, I would need a coach to tell me this, but how much is Gerald McCoy responsible for the five sacks that Jason Pierre-Paul has? My guess is he's pretty responsible because he's taken up two guys, sometimes three. I also saw him today a couple of times uh, when he was in there taking on three blockers because he's shifting left to right and other blockers are having to come in and take him. And there was one play where Jason Pierre-Paul got in and hurried Matt Ryan. And it was all a result of McCoy picking up that extra third blocker, which uh, basically let Pierre Paul uh, fly through on his own. So um, I'm not going to blame him as much. Uh, I'm going to say a a game fall to Mike Neighbors on this one for not taking uh, Chandler Catanzaro. 
Okay. Well, let me ask you this, though. Wasn't Gerald McCoy supposed to benefit from all these free agent acquisitions? And I, I know you make great points, but didn't you think he'd be having a better year at this point just based on all the talent around him that he hasn't had in his Buccaneer career? Um, yeah, but again, uh, defensive tackle in a, in a zone scheme like this is just not going to generate a lot of numbers necessarily. And I still think at the end of the year, he's still going to have numbers. I, I really do. I, I don't think it's going to be as bad as, you know, unless he misses five games with this, what appears to be a calf injury. Um, I, I just think, I think Gerald McCoy's still doing his job. Um, there's, uh, let, me put, let me put it this way. Of all the people I'm worried about on the Bucks defense who aren't doing their job, He's not at the top of my list. Nowhere near, in fact. I'm just saying this. I expected, you know, the Ryan Smiths, the MJ Stewarts, the, the young corners. You know, I guess I could throw Brent Grimes as a, at a game fall, but that's like a broken record. I have high standards for Gerald McCoy. And when I look at the stat sheet, and, and you, you have great points. You, have, you're, you break it down perfectly. I just expect more out of him, especially because he has help. I mean, he hasn't had a Jason Pierre-Paul, Roy, since he's been in Tampa. Really, I mean, he hasn't had a guy like that. I thought he would benefit from a lot of this. And I know a lot of the dirty work, but he's had sacks in the past. And he's had numbers before, and you're just not seeing the numbers now. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know. From from that, but you, you have great points, and maybe I deserve a game fall for that. I'm just I'm just kind of throwing that no, out. I, I I see where you're coming from, and yes, you're you're right about he should be a better player. But um, most of the tackles today were by linebackers and guys in the secondary. Why? Because this was mostly a passing attack that we saw from the uh, from the Falcons today. You look at those numbers, and you know they ran it. Uh, what they only ran it uh, 22 times. The Falcons. So 41 passes for Matt Ryan, 22 runs for the Buccaneers. Uh, a lot of those came after McCoy was out of the game. Um, you know, so eh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be too concerned about the way Gerald McCoy played today. Numbers weren't there, but they seldom are going to be, uh, especially when you, you pass as much as the uh, – now he should have more, you know, pass rushing stats perhaps, but uh, he, you know, he's not getting a lot of help from guys on the inside either. Yeah. Well, Gerald, if you're listening, I know you're not a big fan of the media these days. Roy Cummings is defending you on a few extra bucks. So if he appears in the locker room, maybe you can just blow us all off and give Roy the exclusive. So, you know, somebody's sticking up. Wouldn't be the first time I've had an exclusive. Wouldn't be. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, the Bucks lose three in a row and uh, they'll keep trudging forward here. But uh, that wraps up another edition of a few extra bucks here on pewterpirates.com we'll be back during the week with two as we normally do and uh, we'd like to thank our title sponsors of course house of brews in lutes florida i was there on friday night man great food great food great service great brews lutes florida on the corner of north del mabry and van dyke and of course sea dog brewing company treasure island location on the beach and clearwater for justin thomas for our buccaneer insider roy cummings who always has it down predicting games this season and sticking up for Gerald McCoy. I'm merely Mike Neighbors. Thanks for logging on. Subscribe to PeterPirates.com. It's free, folks. We appreciate it.